Branagh and welcome back to the Supernatural Housewives of Belly Strange. Death on the Beach Sergeant Crowley was awoken from his uneasy sleep by the ringing of the phone. He grabbed the phone, rubbing the sleep glue from his eyes. What is it? he grumbled. Within moments he was staring into empty space. He then looked to the heavens, pulled some hair out, grinded his teeth, thumped the bed in anger before eventually jumping out and fumbling with his police uniform. What is it, darling? said Jennifer, now awoken too. Quite. Quaint village, did you say? He looked in the mirror, shaking. It was the beginnings of a panic attack. Jennifer observed him with a mixture of concern and annoyance as he departed the bedroom with the weight of the whole world on his shoulders. She then went back to sleep. At the break of dawn, Sergeant Crowley could not stomach looking at the mutilated bodies. He turned his head away. Covered him up, he said. Please just cover them up. As the bodies were being covered up and carried away, Sergeant Crowley walked over to the edge of the beach and doused his face in the cool seawater. He was still shaking, still having a fit. Dr. Winterman watched him closely. Everything all right, Sergeant? It was a few moments before he was composed enough to answer. I didn't expect this on my first day. It's a very peaceful village, let me assure you of that. Sergeant Crowley, as if trying to vomit into the sea, looked up incredulously. There's dead bodies on the beach, in case you hadn't noticed. Outsiders, said Dr. Winterman, with clear derision in his voice. They should have remained in the filthy slums they crawled out of. Dr. Winterman picked up a crab and an empty cider can. Something's been feeding on them, that's all. Sergeant Crowley turned his head and saw Winterman examining the crab and cider can. It relaxed him a little bit. Dr. Winterman extended his hand. Name's Dr. Winterman. I'll call you when the full post-mortem results are known. But take it from me. Too much cider and crab. In that order... Business of demon slaying. Terence passed through the cast iron doors of the high security office building in the Dublin Docklands. He smiled when he saw the sign for Liffey Demon Slayers. Now I will have my revenge, he said with a gleam in his eye. Terence lived in the next village to Bally Strange, where he had sank all his life savings to live in a beautiful Georgian mansion on the west coast of Ireland. He was expecting an idyllic retirement in his historic home, where he could read his books, enjoy his impressive art collection, and watch the sun sinking down over Galway Bay at night, drinking wine from his even more impressive cellar. But then all kinds of mysterious things started to happen. Bit by bit his art was stolen, bottle by bottle his wine went missing, and one by one the wealthy guests who came to stay at his beautiful manor house disappeared too. The police naturally began to suspect Terence, 
and he developed an unwanted reputation around the west coast of Ireland. All kinds of rumours went around, that he might even be a serial killer. The local ladies said he was always staring at their breasts, pervert-like, and eventually everyone gave Terence a wide berth. He tried to sell the house, but the house too developed a reputation. One guest who managed to survive the ordeal said she saw an old piece of art being ripped from the wall by an invisible ghost. All kinds of awful noises were heard, moans and groans, blood-curdling shrieks, claws scraping on doors. It was considered such a dark, evil house that not even people who liked to buy haunted houses and set up a B&B with meddlesome ghosts wandering the hallways and a full hearty Irish breakfast in the morning as a selling point wanted anything to even do with it. The receptionist kept Terence waiting for 20 minutes, where he waited patiently with sweaty paws before he was finally given permission to enter the CEO's office. Inside Deirdre, in a short tight skirt, sat with her bronze legs on her desk as she intently studied a document while Terence sat nervously before her. He was bursting to speak, but also fantasizing about the powerful woman who sat before him. He hoped she could not read his depraved mind because she had some deadly weapons lying nearby. Her office was also decorated with the finest ancient Egyptian artifacts, and he looked at those to keep the impure thoughts at bay. Beautiful artifacts, if I may say so. The spoils of my father's labours in the east, she replied, without even looking at him. He's a collector, then? Was. Retired? She slammed down some charts on the table. Twenty percent drop. What do I pay these idiots for? In profits? Terence inquired. She looked at him coldly. In demon slayings. Perhaps a testimony to your worldwide eradication of the vile creatures. There's always more market share to be grabbed. Indeed there is, and perhaps that's where I can help. He began to speak, still bursting to get his proposition out. I am your number one fan. I've read all about your work. I have a big collection of books on demons. Time, Mr. Fleming, she said, is demons. Get to the point. What if I was to take you to a town full of demons? To a town full of female demons, to be precise. Do I look like I came down in the last shower? She said. Terence pulled out his checkbook. A trace of a smile could be seen on her curving lips and she proudly shoved her bosom out. Do continue, she said. Let me take you there to Bally Strange, to the town of the supernatural housewives.